All right, everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, this week, we're going to be covering a, a continuation, extension from last week. Uh, the same title, Pray, or a different year, 2017. We're going to be moving up into uh, the next life of an IP. Something that doesn't happen too often in, in any world, essentially. But from last week, uh, I want to introduce you know my co-hosts that join me every week. Uh, the wonderful Scooty Wins, Scott Borgstrom, and the fantastic Alfredo Garibay, who is yet to have any sort of online presence. How you guys That's doing? That's me. We're, we're doing pretty good. I say we're doing pretty, pretty good. Yeah, doing pretty doing great. Pretty. Yeah, we're pretty. We're doing. We're doing, doing pretty. Good. We're sitting pretty. We're doing pretty. That's all I got for you. Well, are you ready to answer some very lofty questions? this week absolutely absolutely pray 2017 is a bit different of a beast than uh pray 2006 um it gets a lot more complex in in every single uh facet that you could imagine from level design to story a lot of the questions that it is to be human and uh, a lot of the questions that it is to have morality and what is the right and what is the wrong uh you know choice in a lot of things. We're asked a lot of ethical questions throughout the game. So if you guys are ready to to put on those ethical thinking caps and save the human race, you guys are ready to, to hop into Prey 2017? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Let's, do it. let's hear absolutely. it. Let's hop right into it. Well, the first thing I want to cover before we get into anything is there. there's so much with Prey 2017 that you cannot do justice through a podcast or audio medium. You kind of, you got to sit down, you got to play it. And mm -hmm. just recently, as of like making and recording this show, uh, Bethesda and their partnership with Microsoft put just about the entire Bethesda, including Arcane Studios titles up onto uh, the Xbox Game Pass. So if you have that, you can download and play Prey 2017 right now, and uh, and I fully, fully suggest you do, because it is a fantastic game. Before we jump into anything, before we start talking about what the game has to offer, um, kind of some of the story elements and going over what the game is, I wanted you guys, because you guys have, haven't played the game before, correct? This That's is correct. correct. Have you guys seen true. anything about it? Actually, no, I haven't. Um, I remember being on store shelves, and I remember they um, they announced the DLC at um, at like E3 or like a Bethesda conference, and it was like super, super hyped up and you know super cool. But I've never seen like actual like gameplay of it mm -hmm. or like anything on the story of it. Yeah, Alfie, I think you remember from uh, last week you mentioned that the only thing you knew about Prey was you could become a mug, right? Or you could yeah, there's a or yeah, or I think I said juice box, but yeah, yeah not. That, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, is just that that particular element um, to it. But other than that, you know, not a whole lot else. Not a whole lot else. Well, there, there's quite possibly a reason then that both of you haven't heard about this game. I personally love this game, and I put you know sixty plus hours into it. Oh, um, and I, I know it takes place in space too, right? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah and that's it. That's yeah. the extent. <laughs> Sorry, I'd really add that addition in there. Space and juice boxes. <laughs> space yeah. juice. 
Um, well, the reason you probably don't remember this game is because it was well-received. Reception for it, I can tell you, it, it we'll just go over that now. It, it won only one award. It was nominated for quite a number, and it was like the Italian Game Awards. So it wasn't like, I don't know, if there's any if there's any big Xbox or Xbox, if there's any big gaming award, it didn't win that. Um, mm-hmm. But that's because it came out in 2017. Now, off the top of your head, can you think of any of the games that released in 2017? Oh, Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild. That's all, and we're gonna stop there because that's all you need to remember. <laughs> well, wasn't Persona Five also in 2017? Uh, yeah, P Five was in 2017. Yeah. Yeah, 2017 was a really like difficult year to really break into that market if you weren't like you know super super like good as those games were. You yeah, know? that was also the year of the hat that you're wearing. That was the year of Mario Odyssey. Um, I remember uh, Tomb Raider, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, I believe. Uh, my, I don't I don't remember that one, but my that one. My, so yeah, it, it had tons to compete with, and that, it had Mario Odyssey. What was the other ones? I remember? Oh, Horizon. Oh, I know. I think. Sorry, I th- I oh yeah, Horizon was a huge one. Horizon was a huge one. I forgot. Yeah, so in a year with all of these great new and awesome releases, Prey it it, it lived up to being just as good as all of them. It's just fits this really unique space, and it and it didn't receive as much clout as it as it probably should have. Um, mm-hmm. But it is a fantastic game, and we're gonna get into a little bit more of that as we go. To begin with, I wanted to talk about the production before we get into any any of the gameplay in the game, because we ended last week with Prey 2006 releasing, having a good reception, and then even being confirmed to have a sequel going on for it, and then the IP gets sold, and that's kind of where we left it, right? That was the cliffhanger from last week, is the IP gets sold in, I think, 2009, to Zenimax, and now it's in Zenimax's hands. Correct. But when it got there, so Prey reached Zenimax, reached Bethesda, some creative leads sat down and took a look at what 3D Realms had given and produced on Prey 2 so far. And whatever it was, it didn't meet the quality standards, and it wasn't something that Bethesda and Zenimax wanted to keep doing, so they just cut it all together, axed it completely. Mm-hmm. Threw it on the shelf. Now they have the name. You know, the question then becomes, how do we get from putting it on the shelf to now applying it and making a game using this new title? And it might seem that like that might be a marred and very, you know, troubling process. One where they take the they take the name off the shelf. They start to develop the title a little bit. You know, put it away. Actually have a development process. The reality of this time around, so much different than the first Prey, Arcane Studios was already working on a game in space, and they needed a title. And so Zenimax came over to them and said, hey, we got Prey. Want to use that? And the guys at that studio went, yeah, all right, sure. And they slapped the name Prey, and that was it. They just That's how they switched names and, and changed hands into this new game. Huh. It was the developers talk about these in interviews, but they just go, "It's it, name, coming up with a name that everybody likes is too hard." And Prey is just such a good name and such a to the point and good title. Like, mm-hmm. 
they wanted to give it to us. We didn't want to. We didn't want the hassle of coming up with a good name, so we took it. <laughs> and it works great. They also have a really good. I guess their other game that they make is also a really good single word name, right? Dishonored. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, that is a really good title for a game. They 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 really like those like one word um titles. <laughs> Is what it sounds like. Yeah. The, they had one game that was before it. It was like Arc Fatalis or something like that. But that was a old game. Like an old mm-hmm. game. Uh, Dishonored was kind of their first. Kind of, I don't know if it was a reemergence or maybe the studio was bought by Bethesda and they made the Dishonored or something like that. But my first experience with Arcane Studios was Dishonored in high school. I can remember when it came out. I remember out. you playing it a lot. I remember you getting all the different endings and mm. um, particularly the uh, the uh, that assassination glitch or rather like you can jump from the it wasn't a glitch. It was like a speedrun tactic where you can jump from like super high. And as long as you go land to kill somebody. Good. <laughs> Just yeah. Dead there. There, there was like some achievement back then. I can remember for like dropping a certain amount of distance to assassinate someone. And there's yeah, like one yeah. level you could do it where you could get to climb up on a bridge and it would be, you know, like and you could climb all the way up to the tippy top and then jump off. And there's one dude just kind of standing around doing his thing. <laughs> and you probably fall to terminal velocity and then some <laughs> like, Jeez. and then you just land on the guy. Yeah. And then you just keep going. <laughs> Regular Assassin's Creed over here. But have you guys played Dishonored at all either? Um, no. I played the first one. I played the first one. I remember getting a little bit through like the middle part of the game. Um, Dishonored's one of those games where I feel like I it's it's really hard to like not kill people in it. You know, um, like it's hard for me, especially when you come from games like um, you know games where you're like oh it's like hack and slashes and like beat em ups where you're like yeah I'm killing everyone right to a a purely stealth platforming type uh, you know level where it's like don't kill anyone. Kill one person, you get the bad ending. It's like, oh, okay, sorry. Yeah, the the games are definitely different than your typical, for you know, FPS game. They're made yeah. with a different set of parameters and objectives in mind. Um, you might be surprised then to learn that they actually fit into this really strange category in that they are considered simulators. Um. Because there's so much going on in the city, there's so much like reacting to the things you do and to how other NPCs act out things, which can be affected to what you do. So other NPCs in the world are reacting to NPCs that are reacting to uniquely to the way that you are acting. There's like these causal chain effects that affect uh, all their levels and designs. And it's, it's impressive to say the least. Mm-hmm. Um, if you get the chance, you guys should sit down with one of the Dishonoreds. Um, mm-hmm. if for no other reason, you know, if you're not trying to actually beat the game, that's one thing, but you should sit down with it and just go through the level, like lo- load into the level and just regardless of what happens, just explore the level and see how mm-hmm. intricate it is because Arcane Studios is is one of those makers who make the world so immersive 
and so many options on where you can go, what you can do. How am I going to get past this? Oh, well, I have eight different options here that I can choose from based on my build paths, like my preferences, what skills I have, what information I have gained from interacting with terminals and all the other stuff in the game. They really give you an immense amount of options to get through any sort of problem. Does that does that translate into into prey at all? Ab- absolutely, absolutely. Nice. That's good. So it doesn't feel like a hallway. It doesn't feel like oh, this is no, the level no, you're no. in right now. No, no, no. In, in fact, Prey 2006 and Prey 2017 differ so much in that sense. Um, I kind of categorized on my own. You know, Prey. 2006 is kind of a shooter thriller action horror game you know it kind of mm-hmm. has that that feel but it is like you load in here and you want to get from point a to point b and now you're done with the level pray 2006 or pray 2017 rather is how do i define this uh, pray 2017 fits into the genre of an open world metroidvania simulator and the simulator gets tacked onto there, but open world Metroidvania is a very good way of looking at it. It's an FPS Metroidvania. So you have large individual areas that become unlocked and then you can traverse and interact with. But in order to unlock other areas, you need to get like a key and the key you get from over here. So you got to go over there and get the key. But to get mm-hmm. over there, you need this tool. So you, first you got to go to this garage where you get the tool. And now you can go get the key. And now the key can get you through the door where now you can face this thing. You know what I mean? Right. It, it follows right. that kind of uh, that kind of gameplay loop. Um, but that's talking about the gameplay and narrative. And I want to get into that. So since we're moving into that, let's get through this little bit that I set up for you guys. Um, this is the opening of the game. All right. So I want I at least want you guys to experience this because I want to talk about this portion of the game and how much I love it and think it's one of the most well-crafted beginnings to a video game out there. All right. Mm-hmm. Today is Monday, March 15th, 2032. Great popping. Sounds <laughs> like a Daft Punk song. Getting some, uh, if if Half Life Two was made today, sort of vibes. Mm. Well, this intro reminds me of um, how you start off in Portal, right? Where you're like, you're mm. on the bed and you wake up and you're like, oh hey, haha. The way you're given instruction. Yeah. Morning, Mr. Yu. Heard there's a chopper on the roof. Must be for you. Holy shit. Wow, this is pretty sweet. I love the way that they have the credits in there. Wow. Oh my god, that's really sick. Clear skies all the way. Damn, yeah, those visuals are. Oh, never mind. He's the new one. Hopefully, he looks to the right. Yeah. Arcane Studios across the bridge. Wow. Looks great, doesn't that? Dude. 
I forget that like games can be made this way. Like I feel like I haven't seen anything like this in such a long time. Like despite you know Cyberpunk being released, it's weird. It's like this is kind of like the quintessential setting for a video game almost. Like we're we're about to go to space at some point soon here, but just the like the setup, the set piece, like it's all. It almost feels like this was meant to be a video game. It's cool. It it's like a reminder. It's like, hey, remember video games? We made one. <laughs> there you go. Prey. The title card. So what we just watched was the opening of the game where we wake up as Morgan Yu. Uh, the game allows you to choose what sex you want to play as. And depending on which one you do, it does affect a little bit of the things later on. Uh, but for the thing we just watched, we load in as Morgan Yu. We wake up into the the morning. We look over a vista, or, or not a vista. We look out over the cityscape of what seems like San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, and we look out our window across this beautiful cityscape. And we go out. We, we put on our uniform, head out into the hallway. We meet. Uh, in in the hallway, there's someone working on the pipes. Tells us there's someone waiting on the roof for us. So we take an elevator to the roof and hop in a helicopter that's waiting, and it takes us through that city uh, skyline, landing us on a lab on the other side. So we've come through. We've gone through a series of labs and experiments, been tested on our ability to por- uh, perform some pretty simple tasks. But it just seems like the researchers don't like the way that we're uh, we're solving them. So we come into a final room and we're going to be asked a series of questions by the doctors. I want you guys to, to answer these for me, all right? Okay. So you're planning a vacation. Go somewhere familiar you know you love or try something new. I would I go think, somewhere new. Yeah, I would go ahead and go pick B as well, somewhere new. All right. There's no wrong answers. I don't like how you said that. <laughs> Good. Looks like you've got the hang of it. Keep going. You've been sentenced to death for your actions. How does this make you feel? A. You're afraid. I don't know what will happen. B. You're angry. No one has that right. Or C. You're calm. It was worth it. <laughs> I'm saying uh I'll be I can be calm about it. Aren't you aren't you isn't C also admitting to a crime? Pretty much it is, yeah. dude. <laughs> hey, whatever I did, I do it again. Do it again. We have a Jeez, C. Man. Um I'm gonna go with A, man, because truthfully, You're afraid. I'd be afraid. Yeah, oh no, what happened? I think I'll die. A runaway twain. Oh. A runaway twain. A runaway... A re- oh my god. <laughs> you got this. A runaway train is bearing oh. down on five people who are tied to a track. Almost screwed up there. You can cause the train <laughs> to switch tracks, but there is one person tied to the second track. Do you switch the tracks, or do you do nothing? Oh, jeez, dude. Why did it have to be this one? Why it, did yeah, it have to be this question, man? Oh, the morality test, dude. I five oh. people or one. Pull the pull the lever. Or you don't. 
God, it's all dude. the same. I, uh, I'll switch tracks so just for the numbers sake of it, you know. Can I jump off the train? Is that? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because you're on the side of it, right? That's the thing. You have access to the. Switch. Oh, you're right. It was the good yeah. place that put them on the train. Yeah. 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 All right. Next question. A runaway train is bearing down on five people. You're standing on the platform next to an enormously fat man. Push him into tracks would stop the train. Do you push the man into the tracks or do you do nothing? Uh, this is going to sound fucked, but I'm pushing him. You push the extreme. So you, you commit murder. See, the train's just doing its thing at this point. But now yeah. you're going to push a man. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Because my thing is, like, if I don't do anything, I feel like I'm responsible for that, you know? But you're okay, not. Either way, I feel like I'm going to be responsible. Right? Yeah, okay, Spider-Man. I think you. Oh, our, our boy is thinking about it a lot here. <laughs> He's not sure yeah, if he wants one, to push him. Or do this nothing. one stumped him, man. The switch, no, completely fine. You know why? I think fat he's, man. I think he's a fat man. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's fucking seething just... right now. He's just. <sighs> oh yeah, I pushed myself into it. <laughs> Last one: a runaway a runaway train is bearing down on five people tied to the track. You could stop the train by jumping onto the track, but you would die. <laughs> you could still push the would you track. would you a jump onto the tracks? B, push the fat man, or C, do nothing. Oh my god, dude. I would still push the fat man. I'm not gonna lie. I would <laughs> That's still fucking push crazy, the fat dude. <laughs> he doesn't even have any bearings on the actual event. You just <laughs> shove him. Like, you see the, he's standing next to you as a spectator. Yeah, but he's just like, wow, that's a really bad situation. Right, my brain goes, I can save him. I'm going to display an image. I want you to take a good look at it. Alright, what do you see, Alfie? Uh, a Rorschach test of sorts? <laughs> Whoa! Whoa! Uh oh. Whoa. I see a deadly neurotoxin. Shouldn't have ordered the latte today. Simmons, what's going on? We have a problem. What about Morgan? He's alive. Sedated. Clear that up. I'm on my way. Got it. What? What the fuck? Damn, dude, they did a fantastic job of cleaning that shit up. This guy's certainly taking more time to explore the environment than the last one. <laughs> I'm oh. in danger. <laughs> I don't think these were here before. Oh, pizza. Oh, no pizza. <laughs> Fuck pizza. <laughs> Fuck anchovies. <laughs> uh huh. Oh, yeah, that'll do it. Your trusty wrench. Not greasy. Oh shit. The Captain America to you, man. So we just got done watching the opening for the game and it's a trippy opening, right? I want I want to spend some time talking about it because playing it, you know, you got you guys just watched it, but playing it 
is a crazy experience because they sell you on everything. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So I was you, completely bought in. I was like, yeah, this what did is you guys game. think about that? <clears throat> I was completely and, bought. I was bought in 100%. Yeah, I don't, I didn't know what the whole, um, because they make you go through um, some like tests, right? That we answered, mm-hmm. uh, some questions that we answered. And I was, I was wondering the whole time, like, what, what are these for? And then they end up like changing your like expectation of it or yeah, yeah changing your expectation. And Wow. So what we just went through was like a Groundhog Day scenario. We woke up, we we got our day going, we went upstairs, hopped on on a helicopter, went buzzing around, landed in a at another building, went through a couple tests. They didn't like the way we went, did the tests, and then they were attacked by an alien looking thing. Mm -hmm. Right, that actually ends up being an alien, one of the aliens in the game. Uh, but the researchers attacked. The chamber fills with gas. We get knocked out, only to then wake up once again in the apartment like everything was before. Uh, nothing had happened. Mm. It's then where we get a, a wrench and we bust open the glass to the giant city, you know, uh, view that we have from the apartment. That we then realize we have been inside a testing chamber, an observatory the entire time. So this, there's a lot going on in this opener. And what it does is not only get you incorporated into the game, it sets the pace for how you're going to play the rest of the game every time you sit down to play it. It's a tutorial, like outright. That is a tutorial. Mm-hmm. teaches you how to interact with things, gives you a lot of stuff to interact with, shows you the terminal system and the computers, and shows you how to interact with that, something you'll do a ton throughout the game. Gets you interacting with people, but ultimately it gets you to interact with the interfaces on like the elevator and go up to the top, hop into the, the helicopter. You do the tests, so you jump around and move around the system. You learn how to crouch and and get behind objects, even if they are condescending for the way you choose to do it. You learn about the entire system that the game has to offer through it, Mm -hmm. because it's a tutorial. And at Mm -hmm. the end of it, they give you the wrench. Your your golden ticket, your, you know, it's dangerous to go alone, take this item. And it's the key to getting out. Because what you couldn't see there, but that whole area was super well, super well choreographed or super well designed and that nothing you pick up in that room can break that glass. Mm-hmm. Even if you think like, Oh, I got a bottle of champagne. You throw out the glass. It won't break it because, and there's also nothing in the room that is heavy enough that would break it canonically later on in the game. Mm-hmm. So it's you, consistent. Exactly. Nothing in that room can be picked up that you would be able to pick up and break later. But the other thing is that the wrench is literally the only item that can break open the window. So you have to break open the window with that brick or with with that wrench. Mm -hmm. The only other place that you can do it, it's not as cinematic. But remember I said arcane, impeccable level design. If there's a question, there's always multiple answers. Mm -hmm. Even in this scenario, there's multiple answers. 
if you decided that you didn't want to break the front glass, you can instead break the aquarium at the end of the hallway and it opens up into the outside as well. Because we'll learn of this later on, but one of the things that's unique about this space station, one of the unique pieces of technology in this timeline is something called the looking glass, where it takes a two-dimensional space and makes it look like it has depth. It's basically like a giant 3DS screen, but it works at all angles. Mm-hmm. And this becomes important, and this kind of, I feel like this is a little bit of a hearkening back to the original Prey as well. In some places, not completely, because every game can basically do this. But Prey, you know, kind of did it first and it has this cool mode. I think there's some homages here and there. But the looking glass becomes a very important part to the overall experience of the game. Because it's revealed, not only was it a farce that you were being watched. Think about that. If the opening means that we're being watched in that laboratory, think about the actions that happened that day. Okay? Play back the opening. How did they do all that? How did they fly? How did you go up an elevator, hop into an, a helicopter, fly across you know, San Francisco, land on another building, go through a series of tests, and then come back the next day? How could they have done that if they're monitoring you in a singular place? Are they fucking with our memories? You would expect something like that to be done like a, like a video game, right? Where yeah. like you yeah, go into like- an elevator... And they'll just despawn everything else around you and then load something else because you're in an elevator. You can't see what's going on. So Mm -hmm. if they make the elevator shake and sound like you're going up or down, it doesn't matter if you actually are going up or down. They're just deloading and loading in new stuff. But for this level, they don't do that. Everything in the level is actually practically done. So what does that mean, right? Okay. The helicopter that you go up to the elevator with, first off, the elevator is a real elevator. You do go up. Or like you do move, but you don't move very far. It's it's a slight elevator. There is an actual helicopter, but it's more like a motion simulator than it is an actual helicopter. So it's made to look and feel like it's moving, twist and turn like it would in the air, but it never leaves the ground. Instead, Everything else around you, including the skybox, the area, like the entire sky, all of the video, all the scenery are these looking glass panels that are connected to make it look like an environment. Hmm. And to further prove the point that the city isn't there and never was, even in the beginning, even with those screenshots, is that when you hop out of this and you're in the laboratory, if you walk around the corner, go up a flight of stairs. You can actually hop onto the ceiling of looking glass that works as the skybox for that room with the helicopter. And you can take your wrench and you can smash the ceiling and fall on through and then look up and there's like a chicken little hole in the sky. (laughs) Wow, they really thought of everything. What? But you see what this kind of does from a psychological standpoint playing the game. You go into this straight aced, right? You go in thinking that it's one way. You play through it thinking you're following the instructions, playing the game properly. And then when you reach the end of it, it tells you, no, 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 no. You got to think differently. You got to take things and try new solutions. They take what you think about the game and tell you, 
because you thought it was going to be a certain way, you're holding yourself back. You got to think differently. So now, as soon as you get out of this, now you're in the middle of this laboratory. You broke out. After you get out of this area, because this is still more of a tutorial area, and you, once you get out of it, you kind of start getting into the rest of the game as properly. Mm-hmm. You have to start thinking to yourself. You start second-guessing everything. What is real? What isn't real? Can I trust this? Can I trust that? You know, when is the next thing going to be pulled out from underneath me? That's constantly on your mind now as you play the rest of the game. But this opening does a little bit more than just subverting your expectations. It does more than just shocking you by this grand reveal. It does more than just a tutorial. This game, although you don't know it when you start the game right now, is a foreshadowing and a representation of everything you are about to go through in the rest of the game. And ultimately, the game tells you where you're going to end by the way that you begin. Because, spoiler alert, but this was a farce. You were in this, you were in a simulation, you were being watched, you were being looked at, you were in the middle of a lie. And the game ends with it revealing that you are in the middle of a simulation and that everything was a lie. And so where you began, which is coming out and going through this thing and getting a rug pulled out from underneath you, is where you end. With ending everything and having the rug pulled out from underneath you. But I suppose it's more important to how we get there. What what rug gets put on, you know, do we stand upon that gets pulled out from underneath us as we go further in the game, right? Yeah, yeah. Now that we're out of this opening section. I'm ready can... for a mind fuck. I'm sorry. I'm just so That's like. It. That, I, I mean, like, it's, it's about I was so impressed with everything going on, even though I could I, I would like look off into the background and be like, mm, not very well rendered back there. But the set piece, which is why I called attention to that in particular, is like what they want me to look at is great. And I. I, I very much like just shutting off and enjoying the ride for a sec. But now that I like. Yeah, now that they fucking they fooled me once, now my guard is up. Like, okay, what else is like? This is gonna take a little bit more brain power. That I'm not gonna shoot my way out of here. I'm gonna get mind fucked a little bit. Yeah. Well, the the next like the next iteration on top of all this now is we go out of this area and into a more promenade kind of place that is that is more akin to the rest of the ship of what we're gonna be looking at. And the ship is called Talos One, by the way. So. As we play mm-hmm. through the game and as you walk through, you'll hear Talos 1 referenced constantly. And that's the ship that we are presently on floating out in space. Now, you may have heard it in the stuff that we watched, but there's a voice that talks to us that helps us get out of the simulation. And her name, or it's his name, it, it's directly depending on what sex you choose when you play the game, is... The robot's name is January. The voice's name, I should say, is January. We don't know it's a robot yet. But the voice's name is January. It can help us out. Mm-hmm. And so we follow January's voice, and, and that voice leads us to the next room where we get in there, and it starts to look like what the rest of the game is really going to start looking like. 
this is kind of the tutorial. This is like the arcane tutorial. This is like, <laughs> hey, this is how we design levels. Start thinking on our level kind of thing. Mm -hmm. That reminds me a lot of, um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with this. Scott, you might be familiar with this, but a lot of hiring processes nowadays go through this thing called a CCAT, which is like an aptitude test. And the like, luckily, when you go to take it, like a lot of job interviews will do this. Um, they give you a couple of like chances to prep. They give you like a practice test. So mm -hmm. first time I took it, I was like, I don't know, is it just a questionnaire? And it gives you like different star patterns or something. And you have to see like, it, it'll ask like, what is the next possible pattern? Like following like this. IQ test. It kind of, yeah, it almost it is. I feel like, like they're yeah. IQ tests without calling them IQ tests. And then they don't use like the standard IQ measurement. They, yeah. you know, they don't go with like a number. They go, this is such a weird tangent, I'm sorry. But pretty much it, that is like the akin to the practice test because after i took the practice test i was like oh it's pattern recognition <laughs> it didn't outright state it it but it was like numbers and shapes and shit like that and i was like oh what the fuck like it took me a sec well, and then i did it and then feeling I is what better. turns but that kind of feeling is what turns people off of like dishonored and prey is that they go <laughs> into it and they think it's going to be one way and they it almost takes that it takes a go around because that's how it was for me I didn't get into prey the first time I, I was around it. I had to get it going. I was the second time around that I kind of went, oh, this is how the game is supposed to be played. You, you, you kind of get into the mindset because mm -hmm. prey plays so differently. You know, that simulation part of things is because there are so many options. It's like maybe simulation is not the best word. Maybe sandbox is a better word they should start using for the game mm. because there's so many things you could do. There's so many options on what you can, you know, what path you can choose, how you want to go about a problem. That's why they give it a simulation. But yeah, th I mean, that same issue though plagues it is that for some people seeing that simulation and knowing that it's not going to be an, you know, a, a doom experience is a turn away. Um, mm -hmm. But this next room that we go into, right, this next promenade the, that January leads us into, we get our first gun of the game. Ooh. And so like the original Prey, this game is a shooter, and you get tons of weapons and tons of grenades and different things to use against the aliens. Um, and But the gun is not your typical gun. <laughs> it's not your typical starter gun. Uh, it's not a pistol. It's not a little stun gun. It's what's called the glue gun. And what it does is it uses charges to shoot balls of glue. <laughs> and uh. this can be used for two things. You can shoot it at your enemies and you can freeze them up in place so that they, they take increased damage from, you know, your wrench or from a, a real gun when you finally get it. Mm -hmm. But... What it really does is because you have to pull the glue gun out of glue that it's like solidified in. And what you see when you pull it out is that a dead body had used the glue gun to shoot the glue up the wall before he died. And so we can see that the glue is set into the wall and it bubbles out. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you run up to it, you quickly learn you can traverse this glue. Oh. And so... You're also told what you're supposed to do. And so if you shoot the glue at the wall, you can then climb up the glue and access places higher than you normally could. And 
you know, in, a, in an area that you're not supposed to, you know, I say that in quotes, you're not supposed to get to, it's kind of like if you have the glue gun and you can finagle your way up there, you're supposed to be up there. That's kind of mm-hmm. the way it's presented and the way the game plays. Mm-hmm. And so it's fun that they give you for the first thing is this glue gun and you can start, you know, traversing the world. You can start thinking like an arcane game. Um, when I was writing this outline, I was watching people on Twitch play the game. People with like five viewers, four viewers, ten viewers, you know, low view counts that are just streaming, you know, just just trying to do it. And I would sit in their chat, I would sit in their games when they're playing through the beginning. And the and I would always tell them is like, you gotta start thinking vertically. It seems like a lot of maps or maybe game developers they don't build vertically. But Arcane Studios builds vertically in all of their games. They And by vertically, I mean like the thing you're looking for, like that air vent that you, other games is just a texture on the wall, mm-hmm. is an air vent in this game. And you can go through that. So look up. Look for these air vents. You know? Is there a yeah. window up there? Look for the windows. Climb up there. Go through the window. You know, they offer you so many different routes. It's a lot of fun, uh, and you got you really have to start thinking differently. And I can remember at key points in my playing that when that happened, it was like, "Oh, I can do that." And then immediately, I think of other areas in the game where I could have done something similar. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I gotcha. Man. It's a it's that open endedness. I almost want to say, like, I don't even know if that's the right term, but just allowing you to figure out and create your own solution and not feel like everything is like, so you progress yeah. through this every walk that it will look different unless it's, you know, a walk that don't have to speed run the game. Mm-hmm. Now there's one more aspect to the game that adds, you know, there, there's the guns that you'll get. There's the way you can tackle, you know, the, the, the problems that the game presents. There's one more thing is the game has a full on skill tree system that okay. you use by using these things called neuromods. And those be essentially give you skill points if you have them in your inventory. Um, some skills take five neuromods, six neuromods. You know, some of them are more uh, are upgradable, so it will take three to start, four to upgrade, five to upgrade again, so on and so forth, that kind of idea. And neuromods are these things, we're, we're introduced to them shortly after we get the glue gun. Neuromods are these things that we, they're like a little gun thing apparatus that we point at their our eyeball and cup over our eye and then push it and needles like <laughs> stick into our uh, eye uh. and the concept is though that they it can like imprint talents and skills and give us and, and help us learn things as we play through the game so we're constantly getting new neuromods we're constantly putting in new ones finding new ones on the map very quickly though we we learn a new thing so we follow january's voice we, we exit into this grand, um, I don't even know what to call it, but it's this multi-story tall pavilion almost. That's a good way of putting it. We enter into this pavilion that is three or four stories tall with stuff on each floor on either side and this big open area in the middle with a shaft for uh, an elevator that goes up to the top of the ship. And this area is one of those areas that 
you can imagine so many different ways of getting around. Um, you can hop on top of like chandeliers that are hanging and walk across those and jump to, you know, balconies and ledges that to get where you need to go. Um, but as we make our way through the bottom of this area, as you're, you know, kind of intended, you come across a big alien. Now we, we saw the little one that attacked the researcher, but now we're introduced to a big one. And this, I guess, suppose now would be a cool time to talk about the aliens in this game. Because the developers talk about this a lot during their interviews, like at E3 and stuff like that. But the intention of the aliens was to do something very different than what they normally do. They, their mindset was, we don't want to make aliens that have been done before. We want to do something very different than than we've ever seen in, in media or whatever. Mm -hmm. So instead of leaning on like otherworldly coming from a different planet, stuff like that, like your typical alien stuff, they instead pulled a ton of inspiration from paranormal kind of events and paranormal ideas. So that and, and we see this like in the names, the names of some of the enemies you fight are called uh, poltergeists, very literally, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, nightmares and phantoms, mimics, right. telepaths and technopaths. It's all psychic. It's not, you know, it's not tied to like monster, big teeth, you know, like ugly looking face. It's every single one of them has these strange psychic like abilities. You know, the mimics literally can mimic items. And this plays into the world because you walk into some of the labs in the world and everything will have sticky notes on it. And it's because, you know, and it'll say like, not a mimic, not a mimic, not, you know, and then the one that doesn't have a sticky note on it will begin to shake as you get close to it. And then it will, oh, it'll geez. attack you, you know, um, poltergeists are invisible. You can't see them, but they'll just attack you. Or when they draw energy, you can kind of see them condense, but they won't fully appear, but you can shoot them with your glue gun. And then they kind of like harden up and you can see their form. But oh, yeah, lots of really Ooh. cool, lots of really cool designs. And it was all to keep in that sort of theme of remaining paranormal, remaining psychic, mm -hmm. remaining, you know, ghostly almost rather than monstrous. Right. Now, what I like about um, how you describe the, the enemies is that like, I know you talked about having like vertical freedom in like when you get like a specific weapon, like the glue gun in this case, mm -hmm. um, and you realize, hey, maybe I can like, you know, fly out or, you know, climb up here. I like that now that extends also to the enemies, you know, so you're not just limited to like, oh, I'm just going to shoot this guy, you know, whatever. Right. It doesn't become like mindless shooting. It becomes, OK, how do I take this gun? Right. Like I can use this gun, that gun, mm -hmm. and, you know, I can like do all these cool things in combat right i, yeah, I like at one that. point I really like you that. get a um you get a, a, a stun gun so it charges wow. up electrical shots and shoots out a bolt of lightning that stuns enemies but you also fight this enemy it's called a technopath and the difference than a telepath in this game it's they uh they i think they spawn with like one or two turrets and they control they have the turrets that float next to them and so you can, as a player, if you shoot, if you zap the turrets, they'll fall off of the technopath and then it can't attack you outright because the, it uses the turrets as its protection. Oh, kind of cool stuff like that. 
But in this pavilion, so we, we, we get to the other end of it. We, we encounter some of these enemies. We learn some history. Do you want a little bit of a history dump? Because this is it's a much much more thorough history than 2006. Mm-hmm. Basically, John F. Kennedy didn't get assassinated. He survived. And oh. upon that survival, he doubled down on the space race. And USSR and Kennedy worked together. The US and US, USA and USSR worked together during the mm-hmm. space race and developed what would become Talos 1. But it was a, a research and facility used together with the Soviets. After the Soviet Union fell, America took over the Talo, you know, the, the base. Then on the base, there was a breach of the, the aliens, which are known <clears throat> as Typhon. So all the alien species is known as Typhon. Mm-hmm. There okay. was an outbreak of the Typhon on the ship. And after that, they stopped all of the operations on the ship. Until 2025 or 2035, one of the, something like that, when a corporation bought Talos One, and those chairheads of Talos One are Alex and Morgan's parents. So our like the player characters' parents are chairmen of the board of the corporation that owned Talos One, and so Morgan and Alex are the supposed to be like the main like the people running the operation of Talos One. Mm-hmm. Okay. This when okay. we reach our office, January then helps us explain where there's a video waiting for us that we recorded for ourselves in the past. And when we play it, what we learn is that we are telling ourselves that if we are watching this footage, we have to, we have no other choice but to blow up Talos One because <laughs> the Typhon have escaped. Oh. Now, Alex. Our brother is still on board the ship and he is now fighting us in terms of trying to turn our mind. It's like, don't trust that video you just watched of yourself telling you that you need to blow up the whole place. Don't trust that. That's not you. You could, you've changed because of the Typhon mods that you, and the experiments that were happening. So we learn why we were in the simulation. And the reasoning is is that we volunteer we volunteered ourselves to go under this experiment of having neuromods implanted and taken out and tested on us before being produced and manufactured for wider use or something like that right so we learned that you we were kept getting neuromods here's the cool thing neuromods can help you learn new things but if you want to take away that thing that you learned via a neuromod your memory gets wiped to the moment before it was installed. Oh. Wait, wait, wait. Say that again. So what's a skill you want to learn, Alfie? I want to learn French. All right. So we'll go get the neuromod for French. Now you know French. Fantastic. Sick. All right. So Dope. go live 20 years in France. All right. All right. Cool. I'm chilling and I decide I want to be a baker. Okay. All right, cool. We'll, we'll insert you with a baker. Now you're a French baker. Go live for 20 more years. All right, cool. I'm pretty old now. Now you're getting to the end of your life and you're going, French sucks. <laughs> France has... Man, fuck France. There's no such thing as France. The, <clears throat> the regime fell. And now Fran- French, French is, a, is a dead language that is vilified in the world. I, wanna, I want to get rid of it, right? Mm-hmm. right okay. 80 years or 40 years of your life get taken away because you got your neuromod 40 years ago. 
And so everything after that neuromod was implanted would be taken away when you get it taken out. Except for the bakery, right? Nope. Well, That's gone too. No, because it got installed afterwards. It's like a, it's like a series of operate like you have to go through your checklist of things first. You know, it's, it's your PEMDAS. You know, you can't do something before the other. The This explains, though, why we're in the simulation, why we don't remember anything. It ties the whole world together because we're, mm-hmm. we keep getting neuromods taken out of our body. That means our memory resets to the day, the morning of. And then when we get a neuromod injected, we wake up and we go do the test so that they can test the neuromod that was supposed to be implanted. They take it out with the gas put a new one in and it's like a new day starting all over again. Right. Right. Wow. But this is also the big reveal. The neuromods are creations made on Talos one. They don't exist anywhere else. And it's Mm -hmm. because neuromods are only made possible by the incorporation of Typhon DNA into human DNA. And so by giving yourself a neuromod, the ability to just immediately download and know new skill sets is also using the DNA of the Typhon to allow you to do that. Mm-hmm. Jeez, dude. So the Typhon's escaping is essentially just like the worst thing known to literally like. Well, we got to blow up the whole base, apparently, <laughs> according to ourselves. <laughs> That's where we're at. And the the rest of the and and it's kind of where I'm honestly going to end talking about the game because mm-hmm. there's a lot that that comes afterwards, but it's how you tackle those things and what you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, the The other part of that simulation kind of genre falls into the idea of making decisions and playing out your role and morals of what you see fit with the survivors and the outcome of Talos One. Many times throughout the whole thing, we'll come across researchers and scientists and people who have survived on the ship so far and could use our help. And we're saddled with the idea, the knowledge, knowing we're going to blow all their asses up. But do you still help them? Mm Mm-hmm. And that's where the game kind of asks you these big questions. That's where the moral side of everything comes in, the ethical side of things, uh-huh. how you choose right. to play through it. You could be a psychopath. You could just kill everybody and say, screw you, buddy, and just keep moving. But you, so, don't, but you don't. So those questions at the beginning were just, they weren't like pointless then. No, right? it's, it's a lead in to the game that's coming yeah. before you. Who do you, so when like it, here, I mean, literally, it, I mean, literally. Pull the lever and kill five people or don't and kill one is the analogy for the entire objective. Survive, let us survive, right? Wow. Pull the thing and kill everybody on board or kill one person and save everybody else. Kill Talos one and everybody on board, the one person on the other side of the tracks and let the five tied down on the other side, earth below, remain unscathed. That's the mm-hmm. question. It's all foreshadowing. Jeez. And so the rest of the game plays out with Morgan racing around the ship, unlocking new areas, learning about the Typhon and the experiments and everything that's been going on in the world and everything that's happening to Talos One's inhabitants. We find a couple researchers and we have the ability to save them. And if we do, they come back and they help us. 
One of the dudes we find drifting out in space, and if we help him, he comes back to our office and starts manufacturing parts for us. Uh, we can find a woman who is dying. She's ill, and her medicine is only available in her cabin. But she can't make it to her cabin, so you have to go there and get it and come <clears throat> back and save her. And if you do, she goes back to your office, and she helps you out with some stuff. There's a, a seminal point in the story that I remember very heavily, which is this it's this fight. It's this kind of battle between the Typhon and the survivors that happens when you come across this a group of survivors and someone who's kind of acting as their authority and leader. And she wants our help to get ready to fight these Typhons. And she gives us the objective of going off and getting a couple things, finding a couple survivors, but also setting up turrets in the immediate area where the battle will ensue. And then only after we've done all that, she'll open the garage bay doors for us to fight the Typhon. And like I said, every every problem has multiple answers, right? <laughs> yeah. So one of those answers is psychopathic herb, ho, murder hobo and just say like, hey, you got a lot of supplies. Now they're mine. <laughs> you know? And, uh. and open the door and fight the Typhon, fight all the survi survivors. And get on with your psychopathic day. Or you can choose to do what she does. What she wants you to do. I mean, um, go get the turrets. Get everything ready. Prep. And then initiate the battle where she'll come down and open the bay doors. And the Typhon will rush in and start to fight us. And it's this big fight between the survivors and you and these turrets. And, and at the end of the day, some of the survivors are going to be dead. All of the Typhon are going to be dead. But you are going to be a legend to all of these people that you're ultimately going to kill at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, or you could choose to do it the whole other way, which is, Hey, I got high enough hacking skills. Go hack the door and open it right now. <laughs> and then you can just, and then you go, do I fight this? I don't have to. The door's right there. I can just leave. Yeah. Like your problem now guys <laughs> and come back <laughs> later and see what happened. Yeah. Wow. And that was kind of one of those big moments for me because in my playthrough, I had already gotten a lot of the researchers. I had saved a lot of survivors. So by the time I got there and then had to do this fight and I lost a couple of them, I was like, dude, I can't believe I lost these people. Like, this sucks. It's like resource management, but the resources are people. Yeah. Yeah, we just lost some like good friends you just built up over the way, you know? Now, I, I think now is a good time to kind of wrap it up believe it or not because we're talking a lot about these morals and ideas we've gone through the survivors we've gone how the simulations in game plays i guess one of the other things that i haven't talked about is that as we get new neuromods we actually get the ability to become or get some of the aliens powers some of the Typhon's powers. So mm -hmm. double jumping becomes something. Uh, psychic powers, being able to lift things into the air and throw them out into a space around us. Physically lifting up very heavy things. Mimicking items in the environment like the mimics do. So becoming a mug and rolling around on the floor as a mug. You know, mm -hmm. stuff like that. Uh, there's actually some places in the game that are only accessible that way. That you have to take the mimic ability and you have to get, become like a little tiny mug and fit through this little hole in, in the door and uh, to get in. It's kind of fun like that. Um, but there, there's also this push and pull to those Typhon mods though. 
the more Typhon mods you have, the less human you become. And that doesn't really mean anything for you or I or the game, really. What it does impact are how turrets and the security systems of Talos 1 will react to us. Hmm. They're designed to detect Typhon activity. So if they target us because we have a Typhon mod, there's the only way that we can stop it from targeting us is either taking the mod out, which I don't know if you can actually do that, but uh, would be to actually go up and hack the machine itself and then and then it won't attack you, but you have to you know, run up to it and hack it. Wow. But bringing it into the closing of the game, because I said everything's cyclical with this game. Everything is a foreshadowing with this game. What you did in the beginning of the game is ultimately what's going to be done at the end of the game. And I told you guys this. If The way we end is that we're presented with again and again the idea of do we need to destroy Talos 1? Can we save it? Is it worth saving? The moral implications of saving it. But ultimately for me, I blew it up. And there's a ton of endings. You can blow it up and stay on board and be this like, you know, this martyr. You can blow it up and escape yourself back to Earth, <laughs> the lone survivor. You can blow it up, but allow everybody else to escape. Uh, there's a ton of different endings. But ultimately, whatever it is that you choose, you'll see the ending play out. Let's say we blew it up and we stay on board and we blew everything else up with it. We watch the ending play out. We watch the explosion happen in space. But then we will be fade out to black or white or whatever it is. And like goggles, like a VR headset will be lifted from our eyes. And we will be revealed to be sitting in a like a medical chair with robots floating around Alex, our brother, who has been fighting us the whole game to make sure, to try and get us to overthink or, you know, to rethink ourselves. Right. And Alex stands there amongst these robots. And as we look around, these robots are all named the names of the survivors on the ship. And so the main survivors that play this big narrative and moral points are doctors, are, are these floating androids in the air. Wow. And, and this is revealed through the game a bit more, but uh, through a lot of the environmental storytelling and, and a lot of the terminals and stuff we interact with, is that Typhon are aliens that are basically only primal beings. They seek out to for survival. They seek out to kill. They don't have any sort of thought process. They don't have emotions or feelings. They're just beings of primal energy. Mm -hmm. But humans being humans go, what if that's not the case? What if they're a little human? Or what does it take? And so in the game we play as Morgan who gets these constant Typhon mod inputs, who becomes more and more Typhon herself or himself or themselves, whatever it is, as the course of the game is you get more neuro mods, right? You, you, the question of when are you human? When are you alien? At, at what point do you become more Typhon is the question. But when, we're, when, the, you know, when the goggles are lifted, when the illusion is dispersed, the question is then flipped. Because we're not actually Morgan. We are the first alien, you know, Typhon human hybrid injected with the human emotions. And this simulation is a test for us, the Typhon, to see whether or not those emotions and morals were able to translate from human to alien. Wow. We are we are this suddenly 
we the player this whole time are actually this link between species jeez so like like from the beginning it's all foreshadowing of what's to come yeah. Prey 2017 fantastic <laughs> game it's a wow. great commentary yeah it's cool that it flips it I, uh, if i can bring another game into it soma you know how it poses kind of the same question it kind of asks what mm. it means to be human and yeah, i don't know if you played it i played it a uh, little bit but it wasn't it's spooky (laughs) but but it's kind of like a walking simulator there's not like Mm -hmm. there's not action or or like combat to it and i was expecting that and so it kind of turned me off but i know that if i return to it knowing now what it is i'll probably Mm -hmm. enjoy it yeah so no i i very much enjoy games that that pose that question that make you look inside yourself you know and Kind of, kind of makes you ask and reflect, like, what does make me tick? You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there was like, a, cool. and there's a lot of those scenarios in this game because I only went over a couple of them. But the truth is, is that there's tons of storylines, tons of optional events, tons of things that you could walk into, and they're like, Morgan, help, and just like, not today, and leave, <laughs> and never have to come back to. You know, there's tons yeah. of that stuff. There's so much stuff yeah. in the game to do and, and and to explore and to learn and the way that they tell it it I can't there's a new game coming out called Deathloop by Arcane Studios and it's like a battle royale game but it's got its own twist to things and it has the arcane level design and I I mean I'm not one to get on board with a game right you know just from its trailers just from its stuff like that especially not after Cyberpunk but this game is made by Arcane. And if there's mm-hmm. anything I can tell you that before the game releases, the game is going to have impeccable level design. It's going to have an architecture system that is cohesive through the entire game. It's going to be a visually fantastic game to play. And I'm re- like, just the name Arcane Studios after playing Prey gets mm-hmm. me excited. And not a lot of studios do that. You know, not, they'll get you excited because you know that they're a good studio. You know that they can make good games. But Arcane Studios for me is kind of one of those only studios that I know what type of game it's going to be. And I know it's going to be really good. Yeah. It's going to yeah. be well thought out. And it's going to be, you know, something that you can. It's a, it's a, what's the best way to put it? It's a smart game. Mm-hmm. Right. It's taking all the decisions and all the things that you think about, it's taking that into consideration when it's made, while it's playing out, when things are going on. And when you get into a game like that and when you can enjoy a game like that, there's really nothing else out there like Arcane Studios is pumping out. It's very unique mm-hmm. and it's and it's one of a kind. So Absolutely. If you uh, if you enjoyed today's show and if you want to play Prey, or if you're interested in other Arcane Studio games, uh, I said at the top of the show, but I'll say it again here, head to the game, Xbox Game Pass, because all that stuff is there, along with all the other Bethesda stuff and all the other things, but you have all the Dishonoreds, you have Prey, they're ready to be played. The only thing that it's not on there, and something we didn't cover today, is there's one piece of DLC for the game, it's called Moon Crash, and it turns the game in, it's a whole new environment, a whole new area, but it turns the game into a roguelite, essentially, where 
scenarios, the the environment might be the same, but the scenarios, the enemies, the rewards, and everything you get on each run is different. Um, the really quickly, the premise of Moon Crash is that you have to get five survivors to the exits, and but you have to do it on one on one playthrough. So you'll play through one survivor, get them to the exit, and then you'll take the shoes of the next survivor. But the the resources and ways that you used with the previous survivor are taken up. So you gotta find a new route out, you have to find new supplies, and you have to do that for five survivors to get them off of Ooh. off of the base. So that's that's what the DLC is about. I haven't okay. played it, but that's the premise. And uh, that's mainly why I didn't cover it today. Um, my name is Corey Paradise. You can catch everything that I do here on the Paradise Podcast Network on YouTube, on Twitter. We got nothing going on on Twitch anymore, but hey, if you want to go over there, I won't uh, won't argue. Uh, Scooty, Scott, what do you got going on? Where can where can people catch you during the week? Uh, you can catch me um, Monday through Saturday, five thirty to ten thirty PST, maybe a little bit longer. Six days a uh, week. Six days a week, six days a week, streaming every single day on Twitch, except for today, except for today where we're doing the network, the podcast, the fun, the fun, fun game covering stuff. So, you know, you can catch me there if you like what you see. Um, who knows? I may be playing Prey because this has me a hey, little interest. I will be there to backseat game for you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because because, again, it's rare that a game like this comes around. I feel like nowadays, you know, one that really like pushes like your mind and forces you to think completely differently. Right as to how you're like going to play a game so it is something i'm very interested in so uh probably next this friday probably this friday i'm probably gonna buy it and test it out See what yeah, it is. constantly on sales too uh i didn't even get into that you can you can actually go completely outside of the ship and you can traverse space and there is in in that orientation there is no up or down or left or right it's just is and so you have to control your orientation and all that stuff Oh goodness! Oh yeah. goodness! That's gonna be cool. I'm gonna tune in for that. Uh, Alfredo, where can where can people catch you? Um, I'm gonna try to stream on Twitch this week. Um, I haven't decided what game yet. I'm I'm probably gonna definitely on my list is to finish Assassin's Creed Two. Just fucking finish that. Get my platinum. Fucking travel back in time and high five my 13 year old self and be like, we do it, you know. Finally, put this to rest. Yeah, it's definitely something that. Uh, and then you can start that. three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. Well, luck. three, if I think it's still introduced multiplayer, so I don't know. Uh, I should probably finish three anyway. Yeah, for the story, if anything else. <laughs> no, but I, I would say finish the story achievements. Anything, you know. Um, I don't know if the remake has multiplayer or not. So. I think, who I knows? Know. Who knows? No, who knows. Alrighty, there's nothing else. I don't know what's gonna be coming up next week. Uh, it's gonna it's gonna be a surprise to all of us so far. I haven't come up with what we're gonna cover, but we're gonna be covering something next week. It's gonna be a fun game. Maybe the start of a series. May not be. Who knows? Find out then. But we hope you uh, enjoyed the show. Enjoy your day. Coming up for the rest of it. Uh, sign off, Alfie. Sign off. This has been the uh, Paradise Podcast Network. Nope, 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 that's not what we want. Ooh. Scott, sign off. We want a tagline, tagline, catchphrase, catchphrase, catchphrase. Uh, Be thinking of okay, catchphrase, okay, Alfie, uh, Scott screws up. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, thanks so much for watching, and uh, grass All is right, we're out. not the healthiest place to eat. <laughs>
Grass makes you frisky? Is that what you went with? <laughs> and grass is gone. Boom. That's it. That's it. <laughs>